Welcome to our class. This will be, I think, uh, lesson number five as we continue with the story or the study of the life of Joseph. God meant it for good. Our subtitle is Meanwhile, Back at the Ranch. Meanwhile, Back at the Ranch. Hey, we know that Joseph, we know where he is. He's in Egypt. We know what he's doing. He's slaving away. He was a rich kid. He had everything at his fingertips. He was most loved by his dad. And in a single day, his life changed forever. He went from riches to rags. He went from being the favorite to the lowest in a country. He didn't have a clue about their language. He did not understand their language. He had no friends. He was alone. But meanwhile, back in the at the ranch, lots of stuff is going on that's going to factor in later on down the road when we see uh, Joseph as ruler. But to this point, we don't know. We think the kid is still uh, a slave. We do know where he's gone. When we left, oh, by the way, turn with me to uh, Psalm 119, verse 130. It's a profound verse. Uh, it reads, the unfolding, that is, the opening or explanation of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. And so that's what's happening right now. We're unfolding God's Word, and we're getting light on His chosen people, on who God is, how He works, and what He's got to work with, humanity. We know that God has a plan from way back Genesis 12 when He chose one man. So the unfolding, the opening, the explanation, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And we sure know a lot more than God's people at Genesis 37, 38, where we're starting. Just think what we know. We know a lot more than we obey, right? Yeah, we do. That's an important verse to me. Because I love Bible study. I love the unfolding of God's Word. And when I do that, I get light. I gain more light. I gain more understanding. Do I put it all to use? No. Um, but I, I strive to do that. So the last time we saw Jacob, Joseph's dad, was in 37, uh, verse 33, the, the boy, the, the sons, has given him Joseph's special status symbol tunic, and he has come to the conclusion that he's dead, that a beast has mauled him, killed him. He'll, he's dead. And so he tore his clothes. He put on sackcloth in, in absolute grieving. All of his kids came around trying to bring him comfort. He would not be comforted, and he just wept. Well, we know that he did not 
have the trust that his granddaddy did. Because remember what Abraham did? We find him in the, the list of heroes of the faith. Um, chapter 11, Hebrews, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, that is Abraham the believer from Galatians, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was offering up his only begotten son. Oh my goodness. It was of he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. Verse 19, He considered that God is able to raise even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. And so Jacob had no trust like his granddaddy Abraham. Had he, uh, possibly, he would have said, Hey, look, if God can bring him back to me. But he didn't. He assumed that Joseph was dead. Was he wrong? Dead wrong. He was dead wrong. And see, we do not know what God is doing except right in front of us. Just right in front of us. We can speculate. We can pray. We know ultimately what he's going to do with us. He's going to take us home. But not in the day-to-day -day activities. We don't know. And so that's where our trust, that's where we put our hush puppies on and walk the walk. All right, unfolding of God's word. So meanwhile, back at the ranch, what's going on? Well, we know where Joseph is. He is in Egypt. Uh, turn with me to Psalm 105. We're just going to read one verse. Uh, as we come along into the story, we're going to pick up Psalm 105, and we're going to read... The, those portions that speak of Joseph, but for right now, 105 Psalm, verse 17. He, God, sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in irons. Psalm 105, 17. So we know where Joseph is, don't we? We know where Jacob is emotionally. But what in the world are we going to do with chapter 38? Remember, we saw Judah for the first time since he was named by his mother, named him Judah, which means praise. And he's the one that came up with a brilliant idea to make some change off of, of selling um, his brother. And so they would kind of be innocent. That's the way they saw it. He saw it. You know, we, we shouldn't kill him because he's our own flesh. Let's just sell him. We'll be innocent then. Just get this problem out of our faces, our ne uh, nemesis. Get him out of here. I don't care what happens to him later, but here's the brilliant idea. We're going to sell him, and then we'll be innocent of his blood, right? Wrong. Okay, so here we come to chapter 38. Most interesting. And it came about at that time that Judah, praise, departed from his brothers and visited, visited a certain uh, a Dolomite whose name was Hira or Hera. All righty. Now, all these people were all together. They were one big, not a happy family, uh, very conflicted family. So, what's going to happen? Do you know families where there's so much problems and heartache and the sin in that person's life? 
that one just picks up and says, I'm leaving this thing. I don't want any part of this family. Well, that's what Judah did. So he, he, uh, he goes to a place he shouldn't have gone. He leaves. Verse 2, Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, and he took her and he went into her. So he marries a Canaanite woman, for goodness sakes, and these are God's people. So she conceived and she bore him a son and he named him Ur. She conceived and she bore him a son and he named him Onan. She bore another son, named him Shelah, and so forth. Verse 6, now Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. Tamar. That's very important to remember. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was evil in the sight of the Lord. So God, the Lord, took his life. Hey, by the way, who has, who has power of life and death? Yeah, yeah, absolute God. Verse 8, Then Judah said to Onan, Go into your brother's wife, that would be Tamar, and perform your duty as a brother-in-law to her and raise up offspring for your brother. And that would be the Leverite law, which their law wasn't even around by then. Uh, it didn't come around for a long, long time. I think 400 and some odd years after Abraham. But the law, they just knew this was the thing to do for whatever reason. So did Onan do this, second son of um, Judah? He sure did. He just, he just couldn't wait. But he's got a problem. He knew that those offspring would not be his. So he came when it came about him in verse 9, that when he went into his brother's wife, Tamar, he wasted his seed on the ground in order not to give offspring to his brother. And so here we see another deceitful man. He enjoyed the pleasure of having sexual relationships with his brother's wife, but he did not perform his duty. He practiced coitus interruptus, and he did not do what he was supposed to do. But he pretended to. He had the pleasure without the duty. Verse 10, nobody knows, right? He's just going to have his little playground, right? Wrong. Verse 10, but what he did was displeasing in the sight of the Lord, so he took his life also. So now Judah had three sons. Now he has one, and he is scared. He's not looking at the son's sin. He's not looking at God. He blames it on Tamar. And so Judah said to his daughter-in-law, Tamar, remain a widow in your father's house until my son Shelah grows up. He wants to get rid of her. Get out of my house. You're bad news. Verse 11, for he thought, I'm afraid that he too may die like his brother. So Tamar went and lived in her father's house. So get rid of another problem. For heaven's sakes, don't look at uh, your boys and don't look even to God. This has got to be Tamar's fault. And so after a considerable time, uh, his wife dies. His mourning's ended. So Judah goes up to Timnah with his friend Hira or Hera. What a terrible witness he was to that man. And it was told to Tamar, hey, guess what? Your father-in-law's uh, coming to Timnah. And so she, guess what she does? She removes her widow's clothes. She covers herself up with a veil and wraps herself. Aha, 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 aha. 
we see another instance of clothing that's going to deceive. Do you think that God keeps score or what? So she sits in the, this gate uh, and she pretends because she wasn't given Shelon. He was grown up, but she wasn't given him her. She was not. He was not given to her as a husband and she is a wife to him. And so she's going to make sure that she has offspring. So he goes around and he thinks, wow, look at this harlot. So he goes into her. He doesn't know that it's his daughter-in-law because she's got different, she's got a harlot's clothes on. She's got a veil over her face. He doesn't know. And he has no moral compass. And so he goes into this harlot, what the, she thinks, and she says, alrighty, well, that's fine, but then, hey, we're, you're going to have to pay to play, so what you going to give me? And guess what he said? Well, I'll send you, send you a young goat. See what I mean? Clothing, goat, here we are again. Well, she didn't trust him. And she says, well, you're going to have to give me a pledge before you send it. And he asked her, well, what do you want? And she says, well, let me see. I want your seal, your cord, your staff. And so he gives them. He goes into her, and guess what? She's con uh, She conceives. And then she goes back home to her daddy's house, and she takes off her veil and puts back on her widow's garment. Judah later sends his friend with the goat to get his pledge. And there's no harlot there. The men of the city said, no way, there's not been any temple prostitutes here. And so his friend comes back and Judah says, oh, well, I did try and send the young goat. So, hey, we'll be, we're going to be a laughing stock. So let's just tootle on down the road. Three months later, uh-oh, it's told to Judah that his daughter-in-law has played the harlot and she is pregnant. And Judah jumps up and he says, let's burn her, burn her. So while she was being brought out, she sent to Judah a little message. I am with child by the man to whom these things belong. And she said, please examine. Have you heard that again? Have we ever heard that? Yeah. That's who came to the daddy. Remember all the sons? Please examine these to see. I think that's verse uh, 32. Please examine it to see if whether it's, please examine these. We've seen it before. See that revolving door keeps coming through, keeps coming around, coming around. Goats, coats, lies, deception. Please examine these and whose signet ring cords and staff these are. Judah recognized them, and he said, She is more righteous than I, inasmuch as I did not give her to my son, Shelah, and he did not have relations with her again. Why? Because it would have been adultery. More than that, it would have been incest, because that was his son's wife. And it came about at the time she was giving birth that, Oh my goodness, look, behold! There were twins in her womb. Oh my goodness! See what I mean? Meanwhile, back at the ranch, all kind of stuff is ha are, are happening. Oh my goodness, we're getting a look at the character of these sons. Well, she has twins. Now what? 
Verse 28, Moreover, it took place while she was giving birth. One put out his hand, and the midwife took and tied a scarlet thread on his hand, saying, This one came out first, but oh my goodness, it, um, but, but it came about as he drew back his hand, and behold, his brother came out, and she said, What a breach you have made for yourself. So she named him Perez. Afterward, his brother came out, who had the scarlet thread on his hand, and he was named uh, Zelra. Zelra. Isn't that interesting? His name means exit or rising, and Perez means breach or breaker th breaker through. He broke through. Is God's invisible hand working? Does God do what he says in Isaiah? He said, I I'm with the first, I'm with the last, I call the generations from the beginning. Does he know all these people that are tied together and where he's taking them as he finds them? Yeah. Yeah. Does he know where you are? Does he know your ancestry? Yeah. Could he have made you or me a Rockefeller? Yeah. But he didn't, at least not for me. Why? I don't know. But I'm... I, I am where I am, <laughs> and I know Him. I know Him as my Savior, and so I'm the most blessed. I'm just blessed. That is the greatest thing in the whole world. There's no other gift greater than to know the Lord Jesus as our Savior. Just none. So she has twins and, and Perez. Now, I want you to look from this point on, Judah will be the front man. He will be the spokesman for the group. And remember, he was the first one to have the brilliant idea to sell his bro. But he's going to come front row center. He's going to be the man of the hour. And we're going to see a lot of him. I want you to turn with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. And we're looking at the record of the genealogy of Yeshua, the Messiah. The record of the genealogy of Yeshua, the Messiah, the Christos, the Anointed One, Psalm 2, Psalm 2, Psalm 2, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham. See, I told you in one of these um, classes, we are running like wild, wildfire to get to David. David is from, he is from the tribe of Judah. And we're running like fire to get to the Lord Jesus, who is from the tribe of Judah. So this is the record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and uh, Zerah by Tamar. And look what it does. It drops the, the second son. Perez was the father of, and so on. It drops him. Why? Because this is the Messianic line. The Messianic line from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. And it continues. Perez. God has his reasons and God has his choices. And look, Tamar is a Gentile. 
Perez has Gentile blood. This is important. There will be two other women that are mentioned, one other with Gentile blood. Very important. Very important. So the genealogy of our Lord in Matthew as well as in Luke speak of these men. God has his plan. His plan is available for us to see. We saw in um, Psalm 119, 130, the unfolding of his words gives light. David said in one of his Psalms, in your light we see light. The more light I see, the more light you give me. Who is the light of the world? Yeah, the light of the world. We have so much to be grateful for. These stories in God's Word are real people. I cannot wait for some day when I personally can see the Lord Jesus, of course, and my loved ones, especially my husband, and then from there to have time unlimited to talk to these people that I have read about and studied and cherished their life story and learned so much from their life and their witness and their sins. I can talk to these people. I can talk to Tamar. I can talk to Abraham. You can too. All you have to do is to believe what the Lord Jesus says. God sent his son. God sent his son. Uh, and that's what Jesus says. Believe whom God sent. That's our Savior. And he's from the tribe of Judah. That mixed up, motley crew of Abraham's descendants. My oh my. If God can do that, he can do anything. Well, we'll close off this class. We will see you next time. And we are going to see what has happened, oh my goodness, to Joseph. We know that he went, was sold to Potiphar's house. So we know that he's not part of the, the you know, the, the jillions of slaves out there busting rock or whatever they did. We see that God has protected him. They meant it for evil. God meant it for good. We'll see that next time when we meet. God bless you really good. This is Lacey Couch, and it's been from my heart to yours.